Hello, and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast for the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I'm your host, Ariel Frame. And I'm Rosemary Giles. Today, we have a guest from the neuroscience department slash program, Emily Davidson. Welcome, Emily. Hi, thanks for having me. Emily, first, can you tell us, um, you know, where are you in your program and generally, what do you study? Um, so I am in my first year of the master's program, the neuroscience master's program here at Western. Um, so yeah, just fresh off my undergrad and throw me into my master's. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, so uh, tell us um, what, um, which lab do you work with? So, uh, you know, as a neuroscience uh, student, you're doing a you know, research-based degree and you're going to be doing a research project. Can you just tell us who do you work with and uh, what's, the, what's the main aim of your project? Yeah, so I'm actually in a really cool position because I have two amazing supervisors that are in really different departments. So um, one of my supervisors that I'm being co-supervised with is Dr. Jody Collin in the psychology department. Um, and she, you know, a lot of what she does is neuroimaging. So she's, you know, we're, we're taking pictures of the brain and the MRI and, and things like that there. Um, and then the other supervisor that I have is Dr. Mike Anderson in the philosophy department. Um, and he focuses a lot on the philosophy of neuroscience uh, and he's a huge proponent of um, embodied cognition. And so it's a really cool kind of a mix to get, um, you know, both the, the psychology, the philosophy, and then, you know, the neuroscience element in there as well. Um, it's a really nice interdisciplinary mix that I, I, I just love. Um, and so basically we have this really, um, you know, it's kind of a wild project. Um, we're putting people in the scanner and we're having them play Pac-Man. Um, we wanted to kind of see, you know, how uh, video games might be used in order to get people in the scanner with something a little bit more engaging and interactive and dynamic than you normally get. So normally when you're in the MRI, they show you kind of stationary stimuli and you know, you kind of get bored, maybe doze off. Um, and so it can be really hard to get a good picture of what the brain is doing when you're actually kind of interacting with something. Uh, and so we're really hoping that maybe this might be the new direction that the neuroscience kind of goes in um, to, to add more complexity as if there wasn't enough already. That's super interesting. So why is it that um, is it that imaging will be better if you have people using active stimuli or kind of what is the reason for wanting to make that change? Um, yeah, it's a good question. So one of the things that I think a lot of the um, neuroscience studies try and do now is isolate stimulus and response, right? So what is triggering brain activity um, and then what is that brain activity causing you to do some kind of action? Maybe it's pushing a button or whatever. Um, they're, they're trying to isolate these. And, you know, it's really hard to do that because you can never truly isolate a stimulus and a response. It's always kind of this chain reaction of things causing you to act in the way you do. And then those, the way that you act then goes and um, causes you to, you know, do something different than you might have done otherwise. And right. So it's kind of a feed forward feedback system that's really not represented anywhere. Um, but for these studies that are really trying to capture dynamic cognition and, and they're really few and far between surprisingly. So is this, uh, is this the first time that someone will have played a video game in a, in a, in a scanner like this? Uh, no, it's not the first time, but it's the first time 
that people are playing video games in scanner where we're actually just looking at what their brain is doing um, while they're playing the game. So games have been used in the scanner on occasion. There, there's not very many studies, um, but it's not been to study functional, what, what we would call functional connectivity, which is just this, um, this the, the way that your brain is interacting in different networks and in different ways. That's really interesting. So I'm just kind of trying to draw on personal experience here. I think that when you're doing this kind of scanning, like sometimes you'll be shown movies and stuff like that, correct? Okay, yeah. so then how is this different? Is it just a little bit more of active engagement, I guess, than just watching a movie? Um, it's kind of, if you could touch on that. Yeah, so that's a kind of a huge component of the research that we're doing. Um, so one of the first things that we wanna do with this study is we wanna make sure that we're actually capturing something more than just watching a movie. So one of the things that we've been doing um, in this particular study is we're having people play Pac-Man and then we're also having them watch their replay of Pac-Man. And we wanna see, first of all, is there a difference between when they're playing Pac-Man and when they're just watching it passively. Um, and if we find differences there, then this is something that can kind of communicate to the neuroscience community that, you know, it's not sufficient to just people to have people just be passive in the scanner. You know, there's something different that we're missing with this kind of feedback of action. Um, and and, and we, we need to be focusing on taking that into account um, when we're drawing conclusions and, and things like that. It, it almost feels like you're, you're combining the stimulus and the response. They're happening simultaneously and as they're going, instead of like, uh, like kind of artificially chunked, like here's where the stimulus happens and here's where the response happens, which just never happens in real life. In real life, we're always being stimulated and responding all the time. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and maybe people are going to like it. I mean, um, have you played the game <laughs> that you're going to play? Yes, I, I was actually our very first kind of um, pilot participant. I went in the scanner and I played. And, th and this is something that, you know, has been really great in terms of feedback that we've been getting. Everybody says that it is by far the most fun fMRI experiment that they've ever done. Normally, um, these kinds of MRI experiments can kind of be boring, you know, sitting in the scanner for, you know, an hour, just looking at, you know, pictures of black and white shapes or something. Um, but yeah, this one is really engaging. And, and you can see that too, because we take all kinds of physiological metrics, um, heart rate, breathing, things like that. And, you know, you can see people getting really kind of riled up when they die in Pac-Man or when they're chasing a ghost and things like that. So it's, it's really neat um, to kind of see that level of engagement that we're getting in the scanner. That's very cool. I feel like I have to ask why Pac-Man? Why, <laughs> why that game? Why not something else? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice place to start, I think, because it's fairly simple. Um, and the other thing that Jody was kind of, you know, she's a lot of what she does is also kind of on the uh, vision science end of things. She's really interested in the vision centers of the brain. And so she wanted something that maybe we could um, kind of, I don't want to use any technical jargon here, but it's something called a, a retinotopic map, where basically what we're hoping for is to kind of see in the brain um, you know, if you're in, in this quadrant, uh, the first quadrant, we might actually be able to see in the brain, oh, you know, there's signal in this part of the brain. And when they're in the second quadrant, it's, it's kind of signal that's adjacent to that one. And we kind of see a map start to appear. Um, other studies have found things like this um, when looking at maps and, and where attention is um, 
when people are paying attention to a map. So we're kind of hoping maybe we can find something similar to that. Um, and so Pac-Man seemed like a really great start for that because it's a maze. Um, and so you're constantly looking, you know, at, at kind of fixed targets in the, in the maze and stuff. But um, what we've talked a little bit about is maybe kind of bringing in 3D games. If this study works out, bringing in 3D games um, and then maybe even trying to eventually get portable neuroimaging technologies and combine them with artificial reality um, to kind of see maybe we get, you know, some really great results. Maybe, maybe we see, um, you know, that you need to be moving around in order to capture the full signal and, and even just having them in the MRI is only part of the picture. This is really cool. Um, okay. So are there any concerns, I guess, with people not being good at gaming? Like, will that affect your results at all? <laughs> Yeah, actually, it is really interesting because we've had a lot of variability in terms of skill level. Um, we do ask, you know, usually that people try playing Pac-Man a little bit before coming into the scanner so that at the very least, you know, it's not them coming in and just kind of dying over and over again. Although um, we did have one of those uh, anyways. So, you know, but in some ways it's good because we want to try and capture brain activity for all different types of people. Um, and so it, it is in some sense kind of a nice built-in control that we would have people who are, are you know, um, different levels in terms of, of gaming ability and stuff like that. Actually, before our chat, I, got, I was like, huh, I want to get get ready for this. So I went and played the, the Google version, Google <laughs> Doodle version of Pac-Man. Uh, uh, and um, as usual, uh, <laughs> always frustrated with that game i can never get past like the second level <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I, I think i'm decent at, at video games but pac-man's really difficult <laughs> um I, I think one thing that occurs to me uh, you know along some of the same lines that of what uh, what rose was asking earlier uh, like why this game you know this game is similar to some other games but also maybe different to to dip certain video games um it feels like you are playing a certain character it's not like um you move particular things you move this character and now you kind of feel like the character is an extension of you just like if i hold a fork um and i i poke i can kind of feel the end of the fork now while i'm holding the fork the fork is me and when i get in the car i feel like where the end of the car is the car is also me um does that play into pac-man versus other games that you are the character when you're playing that character um, well, I mean, we were kind of wondering that as well. We were really worried maybe that since it, you know, the graphics are not kind of up to what video games are like now and certainly nothing close to real life. We were worried that maybe people wouldn't get as embodied or immersed um, and kind of feel like they are the Pac-Man, you know. Um, but it seems like people are, you know, really getting into it. And so we're kind of hoping since, you know, this is one of the things that Mike Anderson's really interested in this idea of embodied cognition. Um, we've been looking a lot at trying to kind of figure out when a person's playing a video game, even if it's something as simple as Pac-Man, are we still able to capture this embodied cognition where they truly believe that, I mean, not on a logical level, but, you know, kind of just on this, you know, um, emotional level in the moment, do they kind of believe that this character is in some, some sense them? Are they activating the same motions, uh, specific areas of the brain when they're moving up um, or, you know, in whatever direction, uh, or when they die, are they having, you know, kind of this like response that's, you know, heartbreaking somehow. Um, we, we just, we really wanted to know, is this 
it's a way to study um, cognition in a more embodied way. And is it going to work, right? And if we can get it for something as simple as Pac-Man, um, you know, that really opens the door to all these different video games where you have, you know, excellent graphics or maybe even, you know, artificial reality, right? Um, if we can get in Pac-Man, we, we should be able to do an even better job with, with more advanced games. Can you maybe unpack for us what, what, what is embodied cognition? Uh, yeah, so embodied cognition is just this um, idea that, you know, you're not just kind of a floating brain um, in the ether, right? Your body is contributing the way you move your body, the way you're positioned, the way what you're doing in your environment. All of these things are contributing to how you think uh, and what kinds of decisions you might make or how you perceive the world, right? So embodied cognition is just this idea that your cognition isn't just in your brain. It's, it's really an extension of your brain, your body, and the, and the environment uh, interaction. So I guess that goes to, you know, when you perceive, when you look at something and you're just, you're just looking at it and you don't move your body at all, then that's like, you're going to think a lot differently than if you were looking at something and engaging with it and touching it and, and moving around it or something. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just, you know, when you're in an environment um, and you're interacting with, say, you know, if you see a picture of a baseball, right, you, you don't think that it never kind of, there's nothing implicit in there that you could grab that baseball and maybe throw it or, you know, just kind of toss it in the air or something like that. But when you see a, a baseball that just sitting on the desk, um, you might interact and perceive it very differently just because there are things that you could actually do with that baseball, right? And so your environment and, and your body and the way you're able to interact with, with all of the things around you, um, these, are, these are all things that we're really hoping to kind of look at and, and bring into neuroscience as, as important elements of, of studying cognition. You know, it's not just, it's not just you know, seeing a picture uh, of a baseball and, and getting that same experience that you would if, if it was actually in your hand. This is all so interesting and I feel like it's so new. It's, I just, I really love it. Um, I am curious though, how did you come across this topic? Like what got you interested in this? Um, well, I mean, so I have always been really interested in um, video games and things like that. Like I'm a big gamer myself. Um, I, and I used to do uh, esports coaching as well um, back before in the BC, before COVID times, um, which, was, which was a really great experience. And one of the things that I really kind of learned from doing esports coaching is that people really do, you know, embody themselves in these characters that they're playing and the, the experiences and perceptions that they have in a video game are, you know, they're 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 unique in a sense but they're also you know we can understand them in the same way that we can understand how a person might be interacting in that environment as if it were real life i know that sounds kind of strange um but just this idea of interactability in their particular uh, virtual environment um is something that really kind of stood out to me and so it was uh, like a beautiful um moment of serendipity when I came to Western and I wasn't entirely sure on what my project was going to be because, um, you know, it's really can be quite difficult to merge 
philosophy and neuroscience sometimes um, and get a project that really works for, for two supervisors. Um, but then, you know, only what, two days into being in my program, Jody mentioned about how um, using video games might be something that would, uh, would, would be useful and that they've already kind of thought about ways that they can implement uh, this with Pac-Man. And, and um, so I kind of jumped on board that project and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been awesome kind of ever since and I'm, I'm thrilled with it. <laughs> um, Emily, where did, you, where did you do your undergraduate degree? I did my undergrad at York University. I did a cognitive science undergrad, uh, which was technically, it's a, it was a weird program because it was technically in the philosophy department um, at York. But that's kind of where I got exposed to some of Michael Anderson's work. And I just absolutely loved it. Um, I was really on the same page as him. It was really, you know, kind of changing, life changing from my, my perspective of things. And so um, I, and I, re I really, you know, I started reading more and more of it. And then I found out he was coming to our school um, to give us a, a talk uh, about what he was doing in his lab. And from that moment, I, I like, I, emailed him right away and kind of said, you know, I would love to come and, and, and be a part of your lab and, and this and that. So um, yeah, York is kind of where I was able to, you know, get a budding interest in, in the more, um, the marriage of philosophy and neuroscience together instead of just kind of, you know, um, going in, the, in one direction or another. So how, how did it end up the case that you had two supervisors that you joined, you came to Western um, you know, first hearing about Mike Anderson, and then and then you ended up with a second supervisor too. How did that happen? And <laughs> um, so apparently, I guess Michael Anderson's the only member of the core neuroscience um, team that is not technically in the neuroscience department. So in order to supervise a neuroscience student, he needed to have somebody else on board. I needed to have a co-supervisor that was um, in the department. And so I wasn't really sure, you know, I, I talked to a few professors, but, you know, um, I wasn't really sure, you know, about it. Uh, again, it's hard to marry philosophy and neuroscience. And so you're trying to ask them if, if there'd be any projects there that they'd be interested in. And then um, one of the labs at York that I was working at, at the time in the um i was in the vision uh center for vision research there um, and i had a, a really great pi uh dr Ares freud and his mentor was jody cullum and so i ended up he took a few of us to um a conference in niagara falls to present a poster and i met her there and she was just like she was she gave um she gave a roast of someone there and she was super, she was hilarious. Like her roast was, was fantastic. She was really <laughs> funny and really personal. And she, and it was, again, it was like a stroke of sheer luck when I went and I, I talked to her and I told her, I'm like trying to find a co-supervisor with Mike Anderson. She's oh, I love Mike Anderson. We've been looking for a project to do forever. Oh my goodness. And so it was, it was really, you know, I just lucked out and I was so thrilled because both of them are, are fantastic. They're, they're fantastic in, in the best ways. <laughs> That's um, really awesome. <laughs> yeah. So did, so I just want to clarify. So you came into your master's knowing that you wanted to do an interdisciplinary study. Yeah. Okay. You didn't know you were going to have two supervisors though, correct? Or did you kind of know that that might happen or... I did not know that that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be a really interdisciplinary kind of um, experience just because... Um, Mike is, is 
you know, he, he's looking at so many different things. Um, he's in, you know, philosophy of neuroscience, but he also has people in his lab that are doing code um, and uh, looking at machine learning and things like that. All these things that I had previously been interested in, uh, basically all of his work brings them all together. Uh, and so I knew it was going to be an interdisciplinary kind of look at things, but I, I did not know um, that I would have two supervisors that were in different departments and that, yeah. So that was a happy surprise, I guess. That's cool how you uh, managed to make that work. And uh, it seems like the timing, I guess we're hopefully on the trail end of this pandemic here, but um, um, I hate to ask, like, how, how did you, how did you manage to get started <laughs> with a master's in the midst of all this? Uh, what advice would you give to someone else who wants to do grad school now? Um, yeah, it was not easy getting started in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, I, I didn't live in London. I had to move here. And it's it's kind of tough, you know, when you move to a new city, you're kind of hoping that, the, you know, the people that you'll meet there in your lab, maybe you'll make friends with people in your lab or, um, you know, at least at the very least at school. But it's really tough when everything is over Zoom and there's not really any chance for kind of organic conversation in these lab meetings or, you know, just chance interactions in the hallway with people at the lab and stuff like that. So it's kind of been weird that way. Um, and, you know, that's that's not easy. I know a lot of people have been struggling with that and it's 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 definitely tough. Um, but what I would say is, you know, the same is probably true both, you know, outside of COVID and, and during COVID. Take advantage of as many opportunities to, to network and go and meet people as possible. You know, go to these neurosocials or, you know, even if they're online, it's still you're still able to meet people that maybe then those relationships can carry over uh, even after COVID is done. And, and you, you do get still um, to have at least kind of some social interactions, even though it's not really the same. Um, but yeah, to take it, take advantage of, of as many of these things as you can, because, you know, you'll never, you never know who you'll meet, right? You never know, you might be meeting future collaborators, or, you know, if I had never gone to that, um, that uh, conference, then I never would have met, you know, Jody as my supervisor, and I might have ended up with some completely different experience that here at Western that wasn't for me, right? So just going out there, putting yourself out there, meeting people and, and, and you know, finding out what they're interested in. I think those are really, you know, key things, whether you're in a pandemic or not. Um, yeah. That was very positive. I like that. that that's kind of feel good, you know? Um, have you found that it's been difficult in the pandemic to conduct your research? I mean, obviously you need participants and stuff. Um, so have you been able to do anything with participants or has it kind of been stalled? Yeah, it's, it's been rough. So we were able to get some participants in the beginning. Um, but of course, because we're kind of still, we were still in the pilot phase trying to figure out uh, how we want to do this because it's so new. Um, so we have a lot of things that we need to kind of figure out, make changes to and, and that kind of thing. So each participant that we did, we kind of had to make more changes and, and add in new things or take away new things. And so we don't have any participant pool that is where all the variables are the same yet, which is kind of frustrating, but we do have some data to work with. It's just, you know, it's not publishable data, if that makes any sense. You know, it's just kind of, um, we're, we're on a scouting mission through the data to, to analyze all this stuff and find something interesting, but we haven't been able to test in a while. And it's, 
it's it's rough to not have you know you you there's so many things that you want to look for and and do um but we do we're we're very lucky in that we're doing something that's so complex we have so much data that we can work with even with one participant um so we've been keeping busy um it's been hard but we've been keeping busy and we're hoping for no more extensions on the on the lockdown things so that we can start testing again <laughs> um but yeah who, who are you aiming to to get in the study? Uh, is anybody anywhere or particular ages, sex, experience? What kind of people are you looking to have join? Uh, we're hoping for, you know, to get a lot of a lot of diversity in it. We don't have any strict age requirements or anything like that. Um, it's just more or less the basic kind of MRI requirements and exclusionary criteria. Um, and then other than that, we're, we're not looking, you know, we, any 18 to 65, right? Um we want male, female, like we want as diverse as we can get because, um, you know, we really want to make sure that we're picking up any any connections or anything, um, networks that we find of interest that um, we want to make sure that these really are solid and, and tangible and it's not just limited to, you know, a specific age group or a, a gender or whatever. Um, so, yeah, as, as diverse as we can get, that's what we're going for. I like that. So then maybe, uh, you know, when you come out of this, uh, it'll be as generalizable as, as it can be. Um, yeah. I'm wondering now, I, I feel like we'd be remiss to not ask because you said you are a gamer yourself and you're doing this gaming thing and you have these um, a lot of ideas uh, of what you would want to do going forward. And now you're in the like piloting phase. So you're doing the uh, building the foundation for like what feels like it's going to be many years of, of cool research going forward with video games. Um, what's your favorite video game? <laughs> what do you play? Um, gosh, so I have quite a few favorite video games. I think probably my favorite would be The Witcher 3, um, would be my favorite, but it's not a competitive video game. So it would not be applicable in the scanner, sadly. Um, I mean, it, 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 I, there's different genres. I've been thinking about what game I would want to take next into the scanner and what would be a good candidate um, and some of the other things I could do. I think what would be really interesting would be to look at cooperative games and versus competitive games because um, there's been some interesting research about social dynamics um, in cooperation versus competition that you can find in the scanner. Um, so that might be something interesting. but. You know, another thing that would be really cool would be to get the 3D version of Pac-Man kind of as a, yeah. not a control, but as, you know, kind of an extension to see, do we see the same effects um, when we bring this into a 3D landscape um, versus a 2D landscape, right? I think that would be something really cool for, for an next direction. Um, but yeah, so these are all just brainstorming things I've been kind of, you know, that go through my mind, but uh, yeah. Very cool. Um, are those things that you want to work on as well in your MA or that you'd want to do a PhD with or what do you think? Gosh, I mean, so <laughs> Not I to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like this, um, this project that I've been working on right now is something that I think you could spend a little you could spend a lifetime trying to wade through all of this data because it's, it really is so much. There's so many angles you can come at it from. But in terms of what I might want to think about doing in the future, um, I'm, I'm really interested in the way, you know, if we could take this, um, this data that we're getting here and, um, you know, get some kind of sense of what, it, I don't want to say normal, but average functional connectivity for an average person, right? If we could 
kind of map out cognition and what healthy cognition looks like when you know you're doing certain activities. Um, there's there's real implications where you could take this into the medical sphere and start using it to maybe get early diagnoses for things like Parkinson's or um, schizophrenia or things like that. If you start to see abnormalities in this functional connectivity, um, this might be an area that that you could take it that way. And I, I've kind of thought maybe that might be something I would be open to doing in the future as a combined PhD MD. Um, where you could then down the road, maybe even in, um, start doing some clinical trials with uh, with things like this. So I know that's really ambitious, and and you know it's it's way kind of down the road. Um, but that's definitely something that's really kind of crossed my mind. Is what are the like why do this right? It's yeah, it's fun, it's video games and stuff. But what what can you actually get out of this research? And I think you know there is a lot that could be used to, to actually be useful to, um, to people and, and stuff like that. So um, that's just that's a possibility for the future. <laughs> well, thanks, Emily, for coming to tell us about your work. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be really cool, really fun for both you and the participants. <laughs> um, and we're glad that you could tell us about it. Um, if, if other people want to find out more about you and your work, uh, where, they, where can they get a hold of you? So that you could, I'm not on social media because I'm just, you know, it's distracting. Um, but you can email me if you have any questions or if you're at Western, you want to come be a participant after all this. Um, my email is EJ Davidson, D-A-V-I-D-S-O-N, uh, 777 at gmail.com. Um, you can email me there and, and uh, if you have any questions or anything like that. Cool. Maybe you'll get some recruits for the study. Okay. Wouldn't that be nice? We want lots of people. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I've been your host, Ariel Frame, with my co-host, Rosemary Giles. We've been speaking with Emily Davidson, and this episode will be produced also by me. Uh, if you want to get involved in the show, um, you want to be a guest or get involved in the committee, you can email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. If you want to hear some of our archived episodes, they're available on our website, gradcast.ca, on wherever podcasts are available, and uh, select episodes are on YouTube. Also, all our episodes air weekly on Radio Western 94.9 FM. Um, if you want to check us out on social media we have instagram we have twitter we have facebook uh it's all gra at gradcast radio so check us out there listen to some of our past episodes thanks for listening